Welcome to Riverbend Church's podcast, and thanks for listening. Riverbend is a church in Hernando, Mississippi, that is focused on our calling to restore the community around us. For more information, visit rbhernando.church. We hope you enjoy the message. If you have a uh, copy of God's Word, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8. We're continuing our study uh, through 1 Samuel, prophet, priest, and king. We are in 1 Samuel chapter 8 this morning, and got a couple of questions for you um, as you turn there. Are, are you a, a person who the only way that, that you will believe something, the, the only way that you will buy something, that you'll wear something, that you will taste something, is if somebody else goes before you and says, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that, that's, that's the brand. Yeah, that's, I liked that. Are you that type of person that, that you won't try something until somebody else says it or does it? Now, some of us in the room uh, laughed at that, and we know that person. Some of us in the room are like, eh, I don't think that's me. I like to blaze my own trail, so to speak. I want to argue with you this morning, not really, but I want to make an argument for us this morning that uh, if you said in your mind, yeah, that's not me, I blaze my own trail, I want to make the argument that we're kind of all like that. See if I can make my point in the next few moments. 1 Samuel chapter 8, starting in verse 1, Israel demands a king. Israel demands a king. Let me read for us the first five verses of 1 Samuel chapter 8. And in reading these verses, here is the truth or the point. A true view of the now. A true view of the now is needed for you and for me, for our condition to actually be known. If if you and I just glaze over and say, yeah, I know, that's where we are. But, But we don't take the moment to actually get a true view of where we are. We can't really see the condition that we find ourselves in. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. And they were judges in Beersheba. Yet, his sons did not walk in the ways, in his ways, but they turned aside after gain. They, they took bribes and they perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel, verse 4 states, all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah, at Ramah, and they said to him, behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. For us to understand our true condition, 
you and I need to look at a, a real view of where we are so that we can know where our, what our condition truly is. Look in these verses, in, in these five verses. First, we see that Samuel's old. So there's been some time, some, from chapter 7 to chapter 8, there's been some time that has elapsed. Samuel has been the one at the gate of, of the city. He has been the one who has traveled around and he has judged the people. He's done that every year. Stated that in chapter 7. He went from he went down to Beersheba. He came back to Ramah. He went to Mitzpah. And all the days that he was there, in those years that he was the judge, he would travel and he would judge over Israel. So now he's old. I sat in a booth yesterday listening to a, uh, an older pastor than me talk to a younger pastor than me. These words is what he said. Hey, getting old comes on you quick. Came on me when I was 48. And I said, oh, wait, that's two years from now. (laughs) Let me listen to what this gentleman has to say for me, even though he is speaking across the table at a 30-something-year-old. And he said, it comes on you quick. You better watch what you're doing. What I'm doing now in my 50s takes me twice as long or three times as long, twice as hard, three times as hard as it did when I was in my 40s. Samuel became old. And he made his sons judges over Israel. Names his two boys there. And then it says these words in verse number 3. His sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. At present in this passage, Samuel was judge. He was the spokesperson for God. At present, God was king over Israel. God was directing them. God was guiding them. God was protecting. God was providing for. He was king. Samuel was judge. At present, here in chapter 8, Israel didn't like it. Take just a second. Truly look at your life. As an individual, as a family. Take a, a, a good view of your Condition. Are you old? Are you young? Are you somewhere in between? Are you, are you finding yourself in the midst of chaos? You finding yourself at a moment of rest? A true view of your spot in life is needed. For us to understand exactly where we are and where we need to go. The children of Israel came to Samuel and said, uh, hey Samuel, I need you to see something. Uh, your kids don't walk in your ways. Your, your kids, your two boys that you set over us to judge over us, they, they're not walking in your ways. And because they're not walking in your ways, here's what they're doing. They are turning aside for gain. They are taking bribes and they are perverting justice. And therefore, 
Because of that, we need a king. As I was reading this this week, I, I just started thinking about that aspect in Samuel's face. And why he said what he said in verse number 6, where we're going next, I can only imagine the reason that he said what he said and the emotions that he had was because of what they stated and what he knew from verses 3 and 4. But let me read verse 6 for us. But the thing displeased Samuel, the thing when they said, give us a king to judge us, the thing displeased Samuel. So in in my notes as I was reading through this, I I just made a, a little asterisk out beside as I'm walking through the verses and Maybe I'm the only person in the room that this has ever happened to. And if so, learn from me. Don't go where I've gone. Okay? Have you ever found yourself in sin? Maybe it was sin of an attitude. Sin of some words that you said to somebody. Sin of some actions that you did that you weren't supposed to. Yes, this preacher up here sins. But have have you ever found yourself in the midst of that and then something else happens? You go to the house and they say a word. They do something and you just go from, from like right here and you make it like that big. Not because of what they did but because of the condition of you at the moment that you came across what they did. What are you saying, Brian? The big statement that is happening in chapter 6 is not, excuse me, in verse number 6, is not that Israel is asking for a king in Samuel's mind. I personally believe that the big statement is in verse number 3 when his two boys who are judges over Israel are taking uh, gain, they're taking bribes and they're perverting justice and he sees that and he takes that statement of hey this displeases Samuel because they're asking for a king and he says oh man this is displeasing me and it's a huge issue it's a huge issue because Samuel looks at his two boys that he wanted to follow after him. Samuel looks back over their lives and he sees him pouring into them. Hey, here are the ways of God. Hey, here are the items that you need to judge Israel. And they turned aside and walked a different path. But for us to understand the condition that we find ourselves in, we have to take a true look at where we are. And so we see a second point there in verses 6 down through verse 20 of the passage. There is this second truth or second point of them demanding a king. And it is this, a passion for substitutes ushers in a different direction. 
This thing displeased Samuel, verse 6 states, when they said, give us a king to judge us, Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. We'll come back to that verse. That is a huge verse. According to all the deeds that they have done, from the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So Samuel, verse 10 states, Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons to appoint them to his chariots to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. He will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and fifties and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his um, implements of war and the equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and the vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and he will put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks and he will, you, you shall be his slaves, verse 17 states. And in that day, hear the warning, in that day you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, no, but there shall be a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Substitute. A passion for those substitutes. They usher in a different direction. The Israelites no longer wanted God as their king. Before you and I just nonchalantly throw that off and say that would never be us, is, is that truly the case? That we don't want God to be our king? As we sang this morning, that first song, the first song had lines in it like this, that I lay me down, I'm not my own. And, and I just, I, I stood there and I, I sang it the first time through. And the second time through, I said, at this moment, Brian, can you really sing that? Is that really your heart condition at this moment? That you are saying, all right, Lord, I lay myself down. I'm not my own. You, you and you alone are my God. You and you alone are my king. 
the Israelites no longer wanted God as king. They had forgotten how he led them. They had forgotten how he guarded them. They had forgotten how he had provided and protected them. They had forgotten how much he loved them. They had forgotten one chapter ago all the chaos that was in their life because they were straddling the things of this world and the things of God to the point that they said, hey, we're going to give, we're going to Lay down the bale. We're going to lay down the Ashtaroth and we're going to lay down the things of this world and we're going to solely be devoted to you. And in the midst of that, he brought peace. Not just with the Philistines as we saw last week, but even that of the Amorites. And so as these things are coming about... And they no longer wanted him. They ask for something. They demand something. They demand a king. So here's the question. Brian, if that was so wrong, why would God allow that to come about? If that request was so wrong, why would God allow that to come about. Here's why. God will sometimes answer your prayers, one commentary stated. God will sometimes answer your prayers to let you learn the hard way that what you're asking for was wrong. You're like, really? Let me put it to you this way. Have you ever wanted something so badly? You've worked for it. You've you've put the money up in a jar. It's right there ready. And you want it so bad. You have obsessed over it. You've prayed about it. Hoping that it would make it right. Then you got it. Whatever it was. And it was the absolute worst thing that you have ever experienced. Have you ever prayed for a job? Promotion. I mean, you, oh Lord, if I just had this job, if I just had $5,000 more a year and this will get me there, I'm probably, I promise you, I will never ask for anything else. And that job promotion took you away from the house 10 more hours a week, two more days a week, a month of the year. And all the while that you are at the job, you are loathing what you have asked for. Maybe for some in the room, years ago or months ago, weeks ago, or even now you're asking for, Lord, if if you would just let me get married... If you would just let me get married, I promise if I, if I would get married, everything would be okay. Oh, you... And I don't know what we were asking for. All the great blessings. The great blessings. Maybe the prayers are like this, students. If you would just let me out of my mom and dad's house. Maybe the prayers are like this, parents. If you would just get them out of my house. For some of us whether it's marriage or finances or stuff or family, 
I'm reminded of a verse in Scripture in first, uh, excuse me, in Romans, the first chapter, verse 28. It states this, and God turned them over to the desires of their hearts. God gave them exactly what they wanted. It was the worst thing in the world that they could be asking for. And God said, if that's what you want, have at it. Go choke yourself over it. The great theologian Garth Brooks. (laughs) The great theologian Garth Brooks wrote a song this way. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he doesn't answer don't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. You and I have prayed prayers that we look back now and say, Lord, thank you that you did not answer the prayer that I asked for then. The great theologian Garth Brooks got it wrong, though. It's not that he doesn't answer. He answered. It's just not the answer that you and I asked for. Israel put some substitutes up. They were sick and tired of God being king over them, and they looked out across the land, across the fence, so to speak, and said, hey, the pasture is greener over there because they have a king that they can see. And because they have a king that they can see, that's what we want too. And sometimes I believe that we find ourselves just like Israel in 1 Samuel chapter 8, that we demand something just because we have seen it in somebody else. And because we've seen it in someone else and how they've experienced this, that, or the other that we too want, we demand the same. And you and I don't heed the warning from verse 10 down through verse 18 of how that thing is going to take our sons and how that thing is going to take our daughters and how that thing is going to take our land, our time, our finances, and that thing is going to rule over us in this way and we're going to get sick of that thing. And we're going to say, oh Lord, would you please just take that thing And it's going to be just like that. River Bend, might you and I heed the warning of placing substitutes before our King. Substitutes that take up our time. Substitutes that take up our means. Substitutes that take up our abilities. Substitutes that take us away from the King. Because some of the times he will answer that prayer, Lord, if you will just give me this. You and I will find ourselves like those in Romans chapter 1. And he will give us those desires. A third point and truth this morning about demanding a king. The outcome of of stubbornness the outcome of stubbornness brings great loss. Let me read 
the last few verses of the chapter. And just listen to the stubbornness of the children of Israel. Verse 19 down through the end says this, but the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. They said no. But there shall be a king over us that we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us, that our king may go out before us, that our king may fight our battles. And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice, And make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, Go every man to his city. If this is how you and I want to live, if this is how we want it, then why don't you and I just, every one of us, go to our own city? In essence, is what Samuel is saying today. How many times do you and I turn on the news? How many times do you and I read the article, scan the website to hear, read something like this? Said expert states, funds for fill-in-the-blank issue and training, education will solve this fill-in-the-blank issue that we face at hand. Dale Davis, author of commentary on 1 Samuel, put it this way, that is the education fallacy. The fallacy assumes that if people only know that something will destroy them, they will leave it alone. It never reckons with Intrinsic stupidity of people. Education may clarify. Education cannot transform. Brian, why why do you state that here? The whole nation had just heard, hey, if you want a king, here's what a king's going to do for you. He's going to take your kids your sons and your daughters. He's going to take your land. He's going to take your possessions. He is going to wreak havoc on you as a family where you are right now. He is going to do that. And you really know this, Israel. He cannot answer what you want. He is not the one who is going to go out before you and fight your battle. No, He is going to take your sons to go battle. He's going to take your daughters to go battle. As the father of two teenagers, and being a teenager once myself, I look at my dad now and say, I should have listened to what you told me. And Paige and I pray for the years, and I told the uh, Grants just a moment ago before the service, I, I pray for when Nathan's 24, And Mary Morgan's like 30. Maybe they'll come to their senses. 
they're not here so I can talk about them. And if I want them to know, you can tell them. That's fine. But isn't that the case? So often as the issue comes up, we say this, especially in our younger years. I can deal with that. Just just put that on top of the load and I got it. I got this. I see 20 feet ahead of me, so therefore it's okay. I know what I can handle and what I can do. I got this. But the problem isn't 20 feet ahead. The problem isn't the next verse for the children of Israel, nor is it for you and for me. The problem isn't the next verse. The problem is three chapters later. We've got to flip three pages to get to it. We don't even know that it's coming. We don't know that the Philistines are building a huge army. We don't know that they've got all the blacksmiths and there's not going to be a sword in Israel to fight with. Oh, I got this. It's okay. Just another load on the shoulders. It's okay. Your stubbornness, my stubbornness, in our lives brings about a great loss. As I was thinking about this last point, that last phrase of that sentence is a haunting phrase. And all I could think about in that statement or phrase, go every man to his city is the loss of intimacy with the Father. If that's what you want, River Bend. If that's what you want, Israel. If that's what you want, Brian, just, just go to your city. Just put some distance between you and those around you. Israel hears the wisdom of God in verses 8 through 18 but doesn't submit to it. God gives her instruction, but she's not teachable. This should lead God's current people, you and me, to cry out all the more for a soft heart, for a teachable spirit, for preservation from the arrogance of our own stupidity. Taken up the uh, practice afresh again and started reading a Proverbs for every day of the month. Let me read for you one of those verses that I've read in the last month. It'll come up this week because it's Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Out of those two people, which part of the verse are you in? Are you in that first part of the verse that uh, the way of a fool is right in your own eyes? Or will you take advice from others? 
I believe one of the reasons that God has allowed you to have this and me to have this is to say, hey, here's some folks that went before you and here's where they made it and here's where they missed it. Hey, Tillman, are you going to be smart enough to not miss it where they missed it? Because you've read it multiple times. You understand it. You know it. Are you going to be smart enough not to miss it where they missed it? Are you going to be stubborn like them and just go off in that direction? Will you and I learn from them? To be honest, most of the time, we won't. But we should. What a waste of time when we don't. What a waste of energy when we don't. God has given you and He's given me this record for us to follow. Are you hard-headed? When He has given us this roadmap for life and said, will you trust me? Or are you that person that I asked about at the beginning? And said, no, i got to see it. i got to see it. got to have somebody experience it before I will accept it. If that's you, then somebody has experienced it before you. And it wasn't good. Saul came on the scene, started out great, ended up terrible. Took all of Israel away from God. But God brought another king, David. We'll see him in a few weeks. Even that king pointed to the king. May we follow him. Because he loved you so much that he died for you. To take your place. To pay for your sin. May you and I not demand our rights. Because as a son or a daughter of His, we don't have any. We don't have any. We're His. And He's over us. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are in the room this morning. God, it is, uh, it's not easy to be confronted with how we have been raised for years and decades. We have been raised this way to be an independent person, independent people. And all the while, Father, You are calling me. God, You are calling us to be dependent on You. Father, that's uneasy because we have to trust You And we have to trust You not just for the moment. We have to continue to trust You when, when God, we're talking and You're not answering. When we're looking and we can't see You. I have to trust You then. That You are at work in the situation that I have questions about, Father. And that's hard. It's hard when, it, when, it's, when it's a medical issue that goes past what Google says about it. It's hard about a family situation when we've tried everything 
It's hard about jobs and homes. It's hard about life. God, will we trust you? For every single time, just as Alex read earlier today, every single time, Father, you are a present help in times of whatever trouble that I find myself in the midst of. God, may I be still. May we be still. And know that you are right here with us. Thank you for loving us, for forgiving us, for guiding us, providing for us, protecting us. God, for being a good father and a great king. May this week we surrender afresh and anew to you, our King. Rebend, um, God's Word has gone forth this morning. This passage has not been an easy passage, possibly, for you. As Alex and the team sing, maybe you just need to stay right where you are in your seat. Maybe you can stand and you can sing with. But whatever He's asking for you, you get alone with Him. And respond. As Alex leads us, the team leads us, you respond. You have been listening to the latest message from Riverbend Church. We hope you enjoyed it. Live sin.